Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. If I was consistently beating these kids who are given opportunities to them, who are taller, maybe not more athletic, but just taller in general and physically in stature bigger than I was, that I was just going to keep on running up the kind of the, the score mm -hmm. sheet and at some point, um, you know, from a bureaucratic standpoint, be given a chance. Welcome to 94 and More, a podcast presented by Bristol Studio. I'm Jake Fenster, and today I'm joined by Johnny Hooper. Johnny, thanks for joining the show. Of course. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. I'm excited. Yeah, man. How has everything been for you? I know we were kind of just getting into it, but, uh, but kind of take us through what this last year and change has been like for you. Yeah, it's, uh, of course, it's been difficult for everyone this past couple, um, you know, I guess, over a year now since it first happened, but, um, you know, it went, I can't tell if it went by slow or quick, but, um, you know, we, I'll kind of run it back from the beginning, but we were training last March, uh, getting ready for the Olympics, you know, the usual, I guess, Olympic run up to, to everything. So, I mean, it's every, every athlete's dream, uh, to hopefully play at the highest level at the Olympics. And, um, you kind of have this one date set in mind and you're training the entire time, you know, with your yeah. teammates, uh, coaching staff, everyone, everyone's getting ready for it. And then you kind of hear in the news, all this, um, you know, kind of disease going on and sickness. And then it kind of all came crashing down last second. We kind of, we kind of trained, um, before all the protocols came in for the state, um, and then nationally. And then, uh, then it became virtual for a couple of months. We kind of went silent, um, as a lot of places around the world did with athletes. And it was nice to know uh, that, you know, it wasn't just me being affected. It was everyone being affected. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of everyone was in the same boat, at, the, at least yeah. on the Olympic stage, knowing that it was going to be postponed. And, you know, I agreed at the, it's hard to hear, but I agreed with the decision at the time. It would have been, uh, you know, pretty crazy to have the event and, uh, you know, been uh, back on it kind of training. And uh, we had to decide, whether we wanted to be in the U S or train professionally. And most of the guys wanted to train professionally. Um, so we all kind of got our contracts and round went out to, uh, you know, multiple different countries. I'm in Greece right now. Most, um, a lot of the guys are in Greece playing pro right now. we got a couple guys in Croatia, a couple in Italy, a couple in Hungary. Those are kind of like the water polo capitals so of the world. So what is that like? Because, you know, we've had a lot of basketball players on here and people that have speak, I've spoken to, to their experience uh, overseas or in the NBA and negotiating, you know, free agency or contracts and all of that. Yeah. Um, what, what is that like in water polo? Well, water polo is a, a super small community um, in general. I mean, it's, it's getting bigger and it's cool, you know, to have this platform as an athlete to, you know, get the word out and hopefully grow the sport. We're definitely not on the, an NBA. Uh, we, we've got athletes, but we don't have the same capital coming in as the NBA, NFL, all these other sports, but um, you know, at the end of the day, you work with what you got. And um, we, in general, like getting more into the technical aspect of like contracts, um, usually play through your college season. And then you'll get a couple emails from coaches professionally. If you're on, um, you know, the national circuit, it's a, obviously a, a little bit easier to get contracts if you're on the national team or Olympic team, because you have just more exposure in general internationally to teams and guys who are playing. But the one thing that's interesting, a little history about water bowl is, 
we don't have a national team like or uh, i guess a pro league in the u.s we kind of had a premier league back in the day um but that that shut down and most of the good towns kind of like soccer a little bit a lot of the best mm. players go internationally into europe into champions league if they can to play and yeah it's similar with water polo on that aspect i mean why, Eastern why is, Europe why you, is like why the mecca of is? water polo <laughs> i always put i put i always put it there's really no why to it. I think they may, may yeah. have just, they got really good at it because we're really good at basketball and NFL in the States. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I always put this example. It's funny. They have their pipeline of, um, so like in Europe, it's kind of hard to imagine, but in like Serbia or Montenegro or a lot of like Croatian athletes, they're, I guess, best physical specimens or best athletes. They're LeBron James, they're OBJs. Yeah. The, they go actually into water polo, a lot of them, and some of them into the NBA, but a lot of them into water polo, which is super interesting out yeah. there. Um, I don't really know why, but that's usually what they do. And in the U.S., they go to basketball, NFL. <laughs> I mean, the physical specimen, maybe not the athlete, but you yeah. know what I mean. So what? Um, what's your experience with water polo? How did you get started in the first place? Like, how did you decide that was what you wanted to do? Because like you are saying, in the U.S., that's not really something that most people – gravitate towards you know i've never played water polo in my life yeah i even never even like considered it so i'm definitely curious to hear how you got started on <laughs> yeah. this i started um i started pretty young but i was always into water polo i mean not water polo yeah. water sports i was a big surfer before water polo um and i used to surf competitively like a bunch of competitions um you know around the country around the world and um it made that transition a little bit easier but water polo in general is kind of a hearsay thing my dad was buddies with this other guy who has who's kids that went to Stanford and played water polo and you know how high school works it's always yeah. like getting the kid into college or all that sort of thing so it was a niche sport and my mom I actually wanted to pursue surfing at the time full time but you kind of have to get homeschooled yeah. and um, give up everything else you have and travel the world and surf every day and my dad was totally with that he wanted me to do it but um, my mom was like no way you're doing that you're, you're at least trying <laughs> water polo so I ended up, yeah, I kind of went to my first training and, uh, you know, the transition was easy since I had already been like a water sports kind of guy and then just kind of rose up through the ranks, kept going. I was like, all right, I'm actually pretty good at this thing and kept going. And then as you do in any other sport, when you get to a certain level, you kind of have to pick like what sport you're going to specialize in. And, uh, you know, I thought water polo was the best at from all the other sports. I'm sure as you too, you played all the sports growing up, us as athletes, I hope every every parent, I mean, I know when I'm a parent, the most important thing to be, I think, good at sports is to have your kid play every other every sport on the map yeah. to at least feel that coordination. And, uh, you know, you think about games differently if you know other, you know, sporting mm-hmm. tactics. So that was that was for me the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think the surfing outlet would have been a, a incredible incredible journey for you too yeah. that sounds like not a bad existence I, I got a couple dudes yeah who are actually competing in the olympics for surfing shout out like surfing wow. like that's going to be an olympics hopefully i can catch an event out there if i go so yeah i got a i got a couple of homies that are doing that it would have been yeah. cool for sure <laughs> skateboarding too but um i want to i want to go even further with it so you were you played through high school uh you went to harvard westlake in california which i from my knowledge, is one of the better water polo schools. In, it was in the country, correct? At the time that you were there, Harvard Westlake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we weren't we weren't the best uh, for a long time, but we got a bunch of 
um, I guess recruits, but um, we all just kind of came in and uh, I played with a bunch of those guys for long years, won a few national championships as a younger kid um, with, with some of my teammates. And we were definitely my first freshman, my freshman year coming in, we got smashed by like the powerhouses by like modern day mm -hmm. uh, Loyola, some other, some other, um, you know, big programs that have just had water polo um, for a while. And, you know, we're at the top of their game. So it was a long process, but I had a really good coach, kind of like a mentor that I'm still friends with to this day. And we kind of built the program up from like the younger base that we had. And so uh, around sophomore year it was closer. It was getting, we had a couple heartbreak games to in playoffs. And then my junior year, we took down modern day. We actually didn't get their snap, their losing streak. One other team did before us, but they had been like four or five seasons undefeated um, and just hadn't lost a game. And uh, we, I technically say we snapped the record, but one other team did before, <laughs> just in an off game. And there was kind of no stopping after that. We went undefeated my senior year, which was really cool. Kind of uh, full circle came back to the program where we were losing every game to finally we weren't losing any games. So, yeah. you know, it took a long time. It takes a long time of losing to start finally, uh, you know, appreciating those wins. Mm -hmm. Dude, I've only seen like a little bit of water polo. I've only watched a couple games, but it looks really brutal. Like, you can pull people under the water and like kind of pre like <laughs> yeah, yeah. kick them. You can press them down. Like, how is that a part of the yeah, game yeah. that's allowed? No, it's definitely just, yeah. It's a physical sport. I mean, there's there's two refs that are yeah. outside of the water. It's kind of different, like around any other sport. Like yeah. they're actually on land and you're in the water. So there's a sense of like miscellaneous. Yeah, stuff that just goes on in underwater you can hit yeah you can get away with some whatever the ref doesn't see you can get away kind of with which um you know take it at your discretion it's good or bad you can be on the receiving yeah. end of, <laughs> of of the physicality or you can be on the giving end of physicality and uh, sometimes it goes your way sometimes it doesn't but it's definitely a physical tough sport yeah, yeah man I, I don't know how you guys can even get above the water. Like just treading water for me is already enough of a challenge, but then you guys can like <laughs> do that rise out of the water and somehow get, have enough power to, you know, like shoot it. I, I don't understand, but um, can you speak more to some of the training and kind of just like all around work that, that you do that goes into that sport? You know, are you waking up at 6am and jumping in the pool and treading water yeah, for yeah. an hour like what kind of what's your process and yeah, yeah and what's your work ethic around the sport for sure i can uh you know i can go on two lines i mean what our normal i guess training yeah. day leading up to the olympics and full-time training was yeah. and then how that kind of evolved through the pandemic and what we were doing to stay you know productive but prior to the pandemic um you know i'm used to early mornings at my university where i went to berkeley early mornings before the sun goes up and then you're training when the sun goes down. So I was used to it, but, um, so, I mean, in a, any given day on the national team, when we were waking up super early, wake up usually around 6am, maybe a little bit before I drink coffee, head out to the gym, like 7am to like 9am we're in the weight room. Then we, uh, you know, usually have some breakfast prepared for us or like some protein, go to the pool, train from like 930 to 1230 in the afternoon then uh, we have like a break for lunch where we eat like on the deck where it's prepared and then watching film getting our bodies worked on with some of the physical therapists and then back in the pool from like 2 30 to like 5 30 um or even a little bit longer and then possibly staying after that for some film from let's say 5 30 to like 6 37 
then you're back home, you eat and you're exhausted and you just repeat that you're in bed, maybe like 10 or something. And, uh, you, you repeat the process, maybe even nine. <laughs> are you, are you guys really dialed into kind of like the calories and, and what you're putting in your body and just kind of, do you have like a meal plan? Yeah. I mean, in, in general, um, you know, water polo is a very physical demanding sport. So physically demanding sport. So at the end of the day, you're burning an insane amount of calories. It's up there with some of the main sports, um, just calorie wise. And so as it is with other sports as well, it's by position, you know, there's defenders, there's attackers, there's centers, there's center defenders, and then there's a goalie. So by different, um, positions, you're probably having a different calorie intake. Me personally, as like an attacker and kind of, um, a scorer, my workouts are much more like explosive and my diets are probably a little bit more lean than let's say a yeah. center who has to be 250, 260 pounds, six, eight kind of guy in center where they're eating a lot more, um, you know, taking in a lot more, uh, calories than I would. And their workouts consist more of actually just pushing around heavier weight than let's say yeah. per se mine where I'm more explosive movements. So, what about with your your mind and staying focused and, and like locked in, you know, kind of like you said, during that whole time the last year, there, there's a lot of unknown and, uh, you know, the training went virtual and you were not in the pool and you couldn't do mm -hmm. your normal yeah. routine. Like, how, how did you keep your mind on track to stay focused and like keep up some sort of routine or find a way to like adjust your routine in a way that made sense, uh, yeah. but didn't didn't let you fall off? For sure. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was difficult for everyone and, you know, having your teammates, like going back to the previous point that I had, it wasn't like I was the only athlete being affected or we were the only team that was being affected everywhere around the world. Athletes were being affected, especially in that time period in the, in the pandemic. So, you know, staying in contact with your coaches, um, and teammates and is, is the normal parts of, I guess the, the pandemic routine was, you know, having the weekly meetings with, you know, just team USA guys, just our teammates. And then the meetings with film, staying productive, um, you know, outside of the waters. If at least if we weren't going to be in the water, we were going to know our opponents and countries that we were playing on all the previous film that we watched. So next time, I mean, we do play them at the Olympics or in exhibition games leading up to the Olympics. Yeah. We know them that much better. Um, so just being better at the smaller things that, you know, sometimes don't take as much priority when you're able to be in the pool and, you know, physically, you know, take those yeah. reps, you know, mentally you're taking more reps and, um, you know, we have a, a team psych. So meeting with them um, often on, you know, the different adversity, you know, facing, um, you know, obstacles we were coming into pre-pandemic and then pandemic and then coming out of the pandemic. I mean, one thing I can say is, you know, no, no Olympics, no athletes have ever had five years to train for an Olympic. So it'll definitely be a competitive one for sure. Yeah. I want to ask a little bit more about that. So can you kind of walk us through um, your process of joining team USA, what that was like for you? I'm sure that was a really exciting moment um, and just kind of everything that came with that. Yeah. Um, so we, I can kind of start from the beginning because I have a little interest story on you know how i got into yeah. the national team pipeline um in general and you know other interviews that i've given they always ask you know how did you get involved or start um because mm -hmm. you got to start from somewhere and um you know in in water polo um i guess uh jargon i'm not the i'm not the biggest player <laughs> i'm like six one 
185, mm-hmm. um, which isn't, which isn't really that small at the end of the day, but a lot of my teammates yeah. are, are six, six and taller. And, um, uh, I was training for the 2016 Olympics with them in their final few months departure for Rio and was hoping to make one of those teams. They had a really like vet heavy team. A lot of guys who were going for their fourth, fifth Olympics. And, um, uh, you know, I, I didn't make that. I was like one of the last cuts for that. And, uh, prior to that, actually, even I wasn't really given a chance to be on the national team. We had a new guy coach who's my current coach now that I have a really great relationship mm-hmm. with, but I really wasn't given, um, too much of a chance in the beginning. I was actually too small. Like there was a requirement for the first tryout <laughs> for the team that was literally, it was like, if you're six, three or smaller, you're just not in you, your national team dreams are just done. Yeah. That's just not even, you don't even get a tryout. Yeah. And so I got lucky with one of the tournaments getting called up and, you know, just taking that opportunity and running with it. And, um, you know, if I were, if I was consistently beating these kids who were given opportunities to them, who were taller, maybe not more athletic, but just taller in general and physically in stature bigger than I was, that I was just going to keep on running up the kind of the, the score mm-hmm. sheet. And at some point, you know, from a bureaucratic standpoint, be given a chance. So I kind of took that and went with it and, um, you know, haven't looked back since on that. And we, 2019, we had the Pan American Games in Lima, Peru, and that was the Olympic qualifying games. And so we won gold there and qualified for the Olympics, luckily early, because there weren't, there was maybe only two or three other teams qualified. And so we can now focus, you know, we're qualified, Mm. focus on ourselves um, in training. Whereas, uh, you know, if we had lost that game, you have to qualify through the back door in the European Championship Leagues with all these Eastern European countries um, where it's a really tough bracket as well. And so, uh, you know, winning that yeah. took a little bit of pressure off of us um, in that and we are able to kind of focus on ourselves. So, you know, it's cool. The the Actually, the team isn't a, the official roster until maybe a few months from now. Um, so we got probably 18, maybe 20 guys training for um, the 12 spots at the Olympics. Um, so, you know, Hopefully things are looking well and, uh, yeah. you know, every guy is, is working. And at least if you, even if you're not on the cusp or if you don't make that roster, every single person was a part of this program, you know, leading yeah. up to it. So they have some positives that they've given to this team. You know, they're, they're a bit technically not yeah. going to the Olympics. They trained this whole quadrennial with us, this whole four years training for, for the games with us and helping us get better. So when you first found out that taking it back, when the coach said, if you're not six, three or taller, you just goodbye to your dreams. Uh, how did that, like, what did that do to you? Did you take that in at any point and, and kind of say, all right, I'll give up on it. Or did you just immediately respond with, I'm going to beat everybody in front of me and make it undeniable. Yeah. So, um, I, I remember, um, so it was, uh, it was, probably my senior year going into high school and I was training for that 2016 and um you know I was told that by one of the coaching staff members and uh it he actually pulled over me and this other kid who were um, pretty good recruits in in that collegiate class um going to college and uh, said the boat the the same thing and you know you can look at it into there's two two types of people in this world as cliche as it sounds you know one that's gonna you know be like oh, the world's against me. I guess that's not going to work out. There's no really, no reason in trying. And then the other person who's, you know, who loves adversity, loves the grind and at least to not even prove to other people, but prove it to themselves. Like, mm-hmm. no, I can, I can do this for sure. Like, I know I can. And, um, well, the, the other dude actually, 
he fizzled out and he played, I think one year in college played his freshman year and then kind of bounced out of the league and was, so he gave was up, done and you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, I mean, there is, you know, there's a lot of work to be done because I wasn't the biggest player and in water polo and generally at the top level, a lot of these guys are a lot bigger and, you know, have different traits and characteristics that are, are great for the game, but um, you know, taking it in, I wasn't going to be the best immediately. I was one of the, I was the youngest guy coming in. So it wasn't going to be the best immediately, but taking it in small chunks. Like if I knew if I wasn't going to be the biggest in the pool and, you know, uh, take up as much space that I was going to be the fastest dude in the water for sure. Like that was my thing. Yeah. I was going to be the fastest dude in the water just always, whether it be sprinting for the ball, um, which is pretty unique to the sport. You sprint off for the ball um, four times. There's four quarters in a game and it's one-on-one -on -one against, their other dudes fast the other team's fastest guy and so you kind of just so when they uh, set the ball in the, I took it like it that. In the middle and they put you on yeah. the other ends and first yeah. one to get to it just gets the, yeah. their, their side starts yeah it gets the first possession yeah kind of like a tip off yeah, yeah, like yeah four times a game and you're sprinting you're sprinting to the ball so you got to be fast <laughs> and explosive so um you know took it took it like that i was going to be the fastest there and then from there on working on different you know different strengths like my shots and the shots I'm taking, the different type of technique and, uh, you know, technicals of the game and sort of polishing those off. Um, but, you know, I mean, at the end of the day for any kid, especially, you know, what I try to preach with the platform that we're giving, especially, you know, I can only speak personally for myself is, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna hopefully get the opportunity. And once you get the opportunity, whether the odds are stacked against you, you will, you'll get that opportunity, mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad, you'll get it. And from that, um, you know, you got to be creative. Um, everyone's path is very different. And to get to that, you know, that, uh, you know, point that you want to reach that goal, it's not going to be sometimes the most conventional way. Um, you know, it's going to be, you know, of course, you have to have the determination, work ethic, um, you know, waking up early, putting in the hours, but mm -hmm. outside of those hours, like, you know, the creative work that you're working with, um, you know, to be better, uh, that's that that will that's what I guess proved um, at least to myself what what was the most uh, you know yeah. useful. So, with with that being said, what are your goals with water polo? You know, you want to make the team obviously and, and be in Japan and be in the mm -hmm. Olympics. But what yeah. else? You know, are, is, is that it for you, or do you have more that you want to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, so um, of course, winning winning an Olympic gold medal is is. The, it's every kid's uh, hopefully if you're not the winning on that level, I mean, going to the NBA, winning a national title, um, you know, college winning a national yeah. title. It's always been for me like the step when I was a kid, it was going to win junior Olympics. All right. What's the next. All right. I want to win a high school division one championship. Cause that's on the plate. There's always this talk of aspects when I hear interviews and stuff about like the main goal, but there's so many other little goals mm -hmm. before that main goal is reached that you have to focus on in order to achieve that mm -hmm. big goal. And for me, it was always the what's in front. You know, I have that big goal in mind to win a gold medal at the Olympics, but it's, all right, I'm going to win a national championship for my college. Um, and then after that, I'm going to go play pro and hopefully win a league champ in that. And then from there, you know, come back to national team and train and win a gold medal for, you know, Team USA. And so that has, you know, been a huge part of, um, you know, my success in the water, in and out of the water. And, um, you know, Speaking outside of water and for athletes in general, um, maybe unless you play for the NBA or NFL yeah. and you make that check, um, water polo is a little bit different. You can make money for sure. But, um, you know, I went to Berkeley, um, 
you know, for grades as well. That's um, uh, something that I totally preach is, you know, academics um, as well and getting in. Uh, they had an undergraduate business program that I really wanted to get into. So I got into business school um, and, you know, working outside of water polo to have my, you know, opportunities outside of water polo has been huge, you know, given Silicon Valley's in the backyard of, of Berkeley, you know, mm -hmm. working a lot in tech and, uh, you know, different startups um, on the side when I have time, of course, you know, whether it be the sacrifice yeah. of sleep of working out in yeah. the morning from, you know, seven to 10 in off season and then working, you know, uh, at a startup from 11 to six and then training again to seven to 10 PM just to get in those hours has been rewarding for me knowing that I'm doing something, you know, productive outside of, you know, just being an athlete, yeah. you know, going back to, you know, the classic LeBron statement of, you know, more than an athlete. Mm -hmm. Like I really want to take that to, you know, at least complete that into some fruition is that, yeah. um, doing, doing, doing my part outside of water polo, has just been, you know, another motivator as well. Yeah, man. What What are those tech startups that you've been working with? What kind of uh, tech? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my buddy, he's starting um, this like audio platform. Kind of, I don't know if you guys have heard like this Twitter space called, you know, Spaces. And um, oh, yeah. there's a lot of like similar to podcasting, but more of like this broad platform for you know engagement of users to have discussions. Mm -hmm. And it's more of, um, you know, there's Clubhouse, there's Twitter's yeah. basically making Clubhouse, but called Space, like carbon copy of it. And my buddy is making like a short form audio content. Let's say if there was like almost like the Snapchat version of like audio entertainment, mm -hmm. um, working on that, you know, you gotta, he, he's gotten a good amount of fundraising um, from that. So just kind of helping on more of the creative side of, um, you know, what's engaging to users, like his user retention, all that sort of stuff, helping on that end. And then actually another buddy, hopefully, which I'm, when I have more time to help is his startups actually doing uh, more along the way. It's called Coco Robotics. He's this okay. UCLA guy, uh, Zach Rash, who started Genius. Um, it's more in like the autonomous um, delivery systems. And so mm -hmm. he was creating like autonomous, like, you know, the Postmates vehicles yeah, yeah. that like there's come little, little pull bots, up to your door right? and like, yeah. there's no yeah, people. Yeah. 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 There's bots. So he actually like created them as well and, um, taken over, you know, the LA region a lot. And, uh, he has a lot of funding from some serious, uh, venture capital firms, hopefully, you know, helping a little bit where I can yeah. on there on, uh, you know, some of the back end stuff. So that, that type of thing. And, you know, I have, I have other interests in, you know, music as well and some of like i think there's a lot of space to be done in uh you know the streaming world mm -hmm. of tech you know the music industry is pretty archaic in itself and i think there's a lot of you know potential to be reached in there so you know yeah. just diving a around lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot man well you know i, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this with me today and if there's anything else you want to get across in this episode you know feel free to do so no, of course. No, I, uh, I think we covered everything and I'm, you know, I'm stoked. I was able to help out and come on this. I was excited to yeah, you know, talk and talk with you. What other uh, people have you had on this? Um, and yeah, what's, I guess, yeah. what's, what's the, we didn't get to talk about it before, but like, I guess your goal of the podcast and what you're getting out of it. Yeah. Oh man. Up until this point, we, this is episode 17. Uh, so mm -hmm. we, we had Duncan Robinson from the, the Heat, which was cool to just kind of talk to somebody mm -hmm. who's really gone from, you know, he played Division three basketball and is now becoming an NBA star. So just hearing his journey was really cool. Um, we had, you know, Charlie Hall, uh, Henry Hall. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
actor, musician, um, my professor from NYU who actually teaches a course called how, to, how Basketball Can Save the World. So really just getting people from all these different um, industries that are connected to basketball in some way, or that's my connection to them is through the game, you know, like how we met playing yeah, basketball. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see this as a space to just bring people on for conversations, to share their perspectives and their points of view um, and just create, you know, hopefully there's that one person listening that hears you and your story and saying that when somebody told you, you couldn't uh, make the Olympic team, mm. you would never make it because mm-hmm. you're too short. And then here you are in this position now, three months away from three or four course, months yeah, away that's from what we do Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's the goal. You know, that's really my goal with this. If there's just one person listening that can take inspiration from these uh, conversations um, that's all I really want. So of course we will see where it goes from here. And, and, you know, it's just a, a slow building process, but that's, again, that's the journey. That's the fun part. And, uh, that's what I enjoy doing. Of course. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wish you the best of luck on this podcast. Let me know if you, um, there's any other athletes, um, of that you want me to connect you with on that end. What it can be outside of water polo too. I've yeah, yeah. Got good, great homies with Jalen Brown. He went to Berkeley um Colin Morikawa who's yeah, man. killing it in the golf <laughs> world right now like those yeah. guys get them on there <laughs> I will man I appreciate it yeah I'm open to to anything so um we'll definitely make it happen and and best of luck to you with the preparation for the Olympics and hopefully we'll have you back on here soon perfect all right later man thank you all right bro take care This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio, sound editing by Rashad Allen, music by James Grissom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.